0: Today, we have best-selling author, speaker, coach, and the Cesario guy, David Brower. How are you doing today, David?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks, Ethelia, for having me here.
0: You're welcome. Did I pronounce your last name correctly?
1: That's right. Brower.
0: Yeah. Brower. Okay. Brower.
1: Like Monet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So David is the author of Dance of the Love Caterpillars. David, I loved your book. I had a chance to read it. Um, you are so creative. I loved it. <laughs> oh, thank you. So what made you um, come up with the idea of using the the two caterpillars to tell this love story?
1: Well, it's based on my own, uh, let's say, or inspired from my own life experience that was a bit of a dramatic story of losing my wife in uh, June of 2019 Mm -hmm. uh, after 27 years of marriage. And so I wanted to write something to remind me about Uh, trusting life again loving life again and believing in the serendipity of life and overall savoring the moments because we just really don't know what's what's next
0: that's true that's true and we have to live um each day like it's our last day and just appreciate everything
1: Mm, yeah which is not always so easy
0: it's not it's not but we have to try oh yeah So we hear a lot about savoring and appreciating life, but how and and why could one get better at that?
1: Well, why? I mean, don't you want to live a pleasurable life? (laughs) Don't you want to get more out of life? I mean, this is the way I look at it is we both sit down and have a dinner together. And if I'm really present to what I'm experiencing and I'm enjoying the moment and uh, I'm... uh, my consciousness and my awareness is there and I have the intention to make this a celebration. Like, Oh my God, this is, that's amazing <laughs> that we're together. So uh, you know, the more of these little moments that are added up in no matter what we do in life uh, for me, the more you have a, a really pleasurable purposeful life and it's becomes a very performant uh, life in that way. So, I mean, that, the how about it is, you know, obviously you want to, you want to learn and practice and ritualize being as present as you can to the different experiences that you are having in your life. And for me, this comes back to, first of all, just presence with yourself to start, Mm -hmm. you know, are, are you here? Are you here? You know, it's like touching your own body and focusing for a moment, maybe on the breathing out of your nose or something to just say, you know, am I here? Because uh, if you're not here, if you're caught somewhere else in thinking or anxiety or some other place, you're not going to be able to, you know, move forward to actually, uh, you know, realize that actually I am here. And when you do this, for me, it's like, well, where are you? So, you know, I'm sitting in a beautiful garden and I'm, I, I can see the flowers swaying in the, uh, in the wind and I can smell the pine coming out of the trees uh, and I can, you know, appreciate the light in different colors of shades of, uh, of green in the trees around me. And, you know, I'm hearing birds chirping and kids laughing and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, maybe you're eating and you're using that moment to actually really, you know, uh, identify what you are uh, um, doing when you're eating, what you're, what you're actually tasting. Right. and once you get there really it's about you know externalizing this even if you're by yourself so maybe you're eating by yourself <laughs> and when you are though it's to you know acknowledge you know to literally say outside uh out loud uh, you know this this salmon that i'm eating is amazing and here's three reasons why you know i love the crispiness of the um the skin the way it was cooked I love the oily texture in my mouth, and I love the umami flavor that it's uh, that it's giving off. And right. so, you know, you start to really, by using your senses, you start to really get to a place where you can actually then appreciate, and from appreciating, you can even add another layer, which is really the savoring, sensorial piece, where, like, you're celebrating that, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm alive, right?
0: Right. I'm
1: sitting here <laughs> eating this extraordinary piece of salmon and uh, maybe you're with somebody. And and so suddenly life becomes this kind of festival, right? It becomes uh-huh. this ongoing celebration. And, and I think this helps us uh, get more out of the good times. It makes average moments more enriching and valuable. And it helps you get through the moments that are not so pleasant that are maybe difficult or challenging in life. And at the end, you know, you're living a way more ju- juicy Colorful, flavorful, you know, sensorial uh, existence, and you're creating a space to emanate that uh, to make it contagious for other people. And suddenly, people want to be with you. And suddenly, the moments where you are like the best moments that people are having, and and people start to heal around you and start to want to have that in their life. And and so it's you know it's a kind of a way to heal the world, really. Right.
0: That makes sense it makes really good sense. Do you feel um, that trauma or loss have to enter your life to truly make the decision to change one's daily uh, way of being and doing enduringly?
1: Oh, gosh, I would hope not. Um, you know, I I believe that's true. Uh, that that is a, a portal. That is a trigger. That is an unfortunate wake-up call <clears throat> excuse me and uh-huh. you could even say you know that is that is a gift is almost a way that you can look at it because when something has happened there's not really anything that you can do uh, uh-huh. about it usually except the way that you react to it uh-huh. and the gifts the gifts that are there if you recognize them after maybe you need to um, you know handle what you have to handle um, can open you to a, a transformation, to a metamorphosis, you know. And what a shame if something dramatic were to happen uh, in your life, and you don't, you know, really take advantage of that uh-huh. to, to to evolve. I mean, wouldn't the person involved want that for you? Know, wouldn't? So there's there's opportunity in these moments of crisis. The question does become, though like you just said, Italian, you know, do we need drama to come in? Do we need so much pain that the wake up call is there? And I want to believe that for the most part um, we, we don't, uh, but that takes a very uh, conscious initiative to proactively, you know, really with honesty and self self integrity and looking in the mirror at yourself to Face what you really need to face and create a certain sense of urgency to act on what you feel is, uh, is troubling in your life. And of course, this is, you know, this is the human condition, right? We're all uh-huh. in our own way, at our own level, in our own universe and environment, facing uh, change, either imposed upon us or that hopefully we can choose. So it's so much nicer to choose, you know, like changing the way you eat instead of, uh-huh. you know, having to end up dieting at some point or not being able to eat certain foods at some point. Cause you've, you've gotten, you know, crazy cholesterol or diabetes or something unfortunate. Right. Uh, you know, what if we voluntarily put ourselves into positions of austerity or discomfort uh, to actually help ourselves to live in a space that's more like, uh, you know, a gentle wave of up and down with a few extremes occasionally, but that overall we have a good personal agency over how we live our lives and how we resiliently come back uh, to a sort of certain balance that is our own unique balance of going through the world.
0: True. And David, I was laughing as you were talking because I, uh, agree with you wholeheartedly uh, regarding well everything you said but I wanted to go back to what you um, mentioned when you were saying that um, it will be a shame if we go through some type of drama or some type of trauma and we don't take that opportunity to evolve. Um, I'm actually um, working on this piece that I'm writing and um, I touched on that a bit because I uh, made it a point to mention how so far I don't know if I will be. I will continue to be able to do it, but so far, I've always been able to take something positive from any negative um, experience that I've had, and I've used that to grow and to evolve. So, when you said that, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, I agree with him." That, yeah, I, I I agree with that wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah, we only we can know if we've done that. I mean, people can see that from the outside in some ways, but really. You know, our personal integrity is to be able to uh, to truly, you know, look in the mirror at ourselves and acknowledge and see that we have, um, you know, that we've evolved.
0: Right. And it's a good feeling when you can do that, when you don't allow yourself to uh, be so traumatized or so sad because of something negative that we experience, that we um, stay in that place instead of saying, well, you know, this doesn't feel good. I don't want to feel like this again. I don't want to experience this again. So what can I do to make this situation better? What can I do to uh, not uh, have to revisit the same experience again?
1: Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think really, you know, grief in particular is, uh, you know, grief could be, you know, loss of a loved one, it could be, you know, the end of a, of a relationship, it could be uh, losing a job. I mean, it could be all different kinds of things. And, and we all have our own way of integrating and processing And the uh-huh. time, that the time that we take, it's very personal.
0: Uh-huh. At the
1: same, at the same time, you know, we, we don't want to live there, you don't want right. to live there, no one around you wants to live there.
0: Right.
1: Um, you know, you, you got to do your grieving as you do it on your own timeline. But Let's let's agree that we are not gonna live there the rest of our lives. I have a very dear friend who had a divorce many years ago and probably 20 years ago and it, it just ruined him. Uh he never really came back to himself. Uh he just it was just v- very sad story.
0: Okay, so um many years ago, um over 20 years ago, I was in A really horrible relationship. And um, I lost myself in that relationship. I was young. But uh, it was uh, a very depressing time for me at that time. Mm -hmm. But once I took the time to get myself together, I felt like smacking myself like, what are you doing? You know, you're better than this. Mm -hmm. And once I uh, once I got out of that out of that funk, I've never allowed myself to go back there again for any situation
1: Mm. yeah bring your power back into your into yourself and right you know yeah feeling sorry for oneself is uh, it's sometimes we fall into that I've myself uh, clearly have been uh, you know been a victim of that and sometimes still am you know it's it's sort of this negative bias and it's it's it can often be also just the ego uh-huh. right the ego feeling uh, hurt or too proud or is embarrassed to admit that they made a mistake or and there's all these things that are going on but it's surely clear that already just to have the awareness that you're talking about uh-huh. is like the step forward to to healing and, you know, breaking a pattern so that maybe you don't go back into something like that again. You never allow that again. That's great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you. So, David, you are a life coach, speaker, life bespoke, sensorial, sensorial, um, event creator and curator, poet and writer, entertainer of sorts. But what exactly do you do for people to transform their lives meaningfully, pleasurably, while purposely?
1: Well, in all of those different uh, areas, what I'm really seeking to do is to get people to escape their head for a moment and to come into an embodiment and a connection with themselves so that they actually can find the, the clarity that's um, their truth, if we can say, the, the congruency that is, that is them so that they can make better uh, decisions about all areas of their life. And, uh, you know, when you allow people to um, live a life that's, uh, you know, pleasurable, but not, you know, dramatically hedonic, right, Uh, when you kind of hold a space for them to reconnect with what brings them joy, and you let them figure out how they can get away from uh, you know the anxieties that are coming from perhaps some of the decisions and the ways that they're living their life uh-huh. and to get back to something uh, a lifestyle let's call it that is more uh, more to their uh, really to who they want to be in the world right
0: uh-huh. so
1: it's 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 helping people to come to a consciousness about kind of where they are really. And from there, what is working and what's not working, what is bringing them pleasure and what is not. And when you're able to reconnect with your senses and through your senses, there's an upscaling and upgrading a, a higher standardization, if I can put it that way, that kicks in as you start to really notice and observe and appreciate and savor what's going on in, in your life. And when you start to do that, you start to circle upwards. You start to gravitate towards um, opportunities and you make decisions that are more in alignment with really who you are today and not maybe who you were before or who you're worried about potentially being. And so you're, you're able to dare more and you're able to scare off uh, the scare Right, and all the the fears in a way that's um, I want to consider is more driven by pleasure. I feel really the portway of sustainability and in living the way we want to live and having the most impact is really about um, going through the pleasure doorway. Uh, So, call it joy, call it passion, call it uh, uh, what you love and like, uh, uh, in, in life. Uh, and also bringing that into the opportunities and the situations and the work and your relationships uh, and the way that you you are uh, eating and nourishing yourself and the types of media that you consume. And, you know, so it's all kind of a very cohesive, wholesome way of looking at uh, living. And again, about savoring and, and pleasure. I mean, we're here to to experience that ourselves, and to share that abundantly with others. All
0: right. Thank you for sharing that. And it makes a lot of sense.
1: Um, I mean, let's have more fun in life, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds very, you know, cliched again, you know, but it's not. So many it's people not. are not enjoying their lives. I mean, really, like there's no, there's no more fun, right? There's right. No more. It's <laughs> like, where, where did the joy go? It's become this transactional performance for performance sake. It's only about success. And only when I get there will I have fun. And
0: it's like- unfortunately, Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know,
1: and that's not true. It's not. Yeah. We don't have to live like that.
0: We don't have 20. And we can find joys in the smallest things um, that doesn't cost money. <laughs> but you have to, you have to um have that appreciation for those things. For me, um one of the things I do every every morning when I wake up, I thank God just for opening my eyes because I know there's a lot of people who doesn't. Mm. They don't get to open their eyes. They don't have that opportunity. I then thank him for my mental, physical, and terminal health. There's a lot of people who's who's wealthy but they are ill in some type of way. And so they can't really enjoy their money. So for me though, I'm grateful for those things. I'm always grateful um, for my safety because this world that we live in, it's getting uh, more dangerous day by day. So those are the things that I relish mm. in and I'm very grateful for. i never take any of that for granted.
1: Mm. So powerful.
0: Yeah. So David, <laughs> it seems you consider yourself to be an amazing cook and host. How can you, <laughs> how did you learn to cook so well and host famously?
1: Well, I, I grew up in uh, uh, in Southern California and my mom was a, a vegetarian. Okay. And so she she was an amazing hostess and we had all sorts of gatherings and there was artistic performance and she was very, very gracious and, you know, everything was pretty and, it was really nice. Uh, mm. but the food was pretty boring. Uh, the food was pretty vegetarian. The food was, uh, you know, she just would use the same spices and it just like food wasn't, wasn't the part of it that was really meaningful for her. Okay. Uh, and so either she had friends who would cook or, you know, so, so I kind of learned to love vegetables with her and also hate them, but realize that they were valuable and, um, yeah, and so next thing I know, you know, at, at 22 years old, I leave the States to go to France, to only spend a year to kind of escape from going to law school, which I succeeded at. Uh, okay. And when I got to France, I suddenly discovered, uh, you know, the uh, the immense culture around food there. Uh, all the culinary arts, all of the rituals, um, all of the, you know, insane 300 plus cheeses um, the tens of thousands of different kinds of of wine, uh, and uh, just like really the um, the the Epicurean culinary art culture that is France, and so um, it's one thing to have that in restaurants, but even at home, people take a great deal of pride and are very strategic about um, how, you know sourcing their food cooking their food and gathering people to share in the pleasure uh, and the joy of connecting and eating and drinking amazing foods.
0: Right.
1: You know, so very much homemade, uh, you know, from mayonnaise, which I didn't even know before I got there, you could make mayonnaise yourself, right?
0: (laughs) How do you make that? (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to give the secret out? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I think you can find that up online, but it, it's pretty basic, actually, you know. Um, and uh, I mean, you don't spend your life making mayonnaise, but right. you, you know, it's just oil, eggs, you know, it's, it's a pretty simple kind of thing, maybe lemon. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty basic, but like people don't do that, right? Right. And, uh, you know, even vinegar, they make their own vinegar a lot there. Uh, um, people even bottle sometimes wine that they buy in in, you know, big containers of, uh, of wine. So, I mean, there's a lot of sort of artisanal kind of back to connecting with the, this beautiful food that we're consuming. And so you have a a much closer connection to the farmers and the merchants and Uh right. It's a very intimate connection. And these people care about what they're selling you. Right.
0: Uh And
1: there's a relationship there. So there's so much around that. So I got very much, involved in that. And my wife didn't really uh, like cooking too much. So I kind of slipped into that role, uh, which was a really great way to actually start to learn about foods, start to learn to eat uh, better. And like, you know, what goes with what and, and little by little after you follow recipes, and you repeat, you repeat, you repeat, and you're very present. Again, you're sensorially present right you can't be cutting with a very sharp knife and not being present you know you can't be you you can't be cooking five different dishes on high flames and like not be present something's going to burn some things are the cooking time is very delicate and short and stuff so little by little I got really engaged in that started to love it more you get skillful at something you love it more the pleasure was the pleasure was immense I was learning constantly. I was constantly progressing. It was an unbelievable creative outlet for me from the whole cooking process to inventing dishes, to plating, to decorating uh, things, you know, and you just realize that there's so much life there. And so I just kept going, kept going, kept going. And, you know, after... 20, 25 years, 30 years, you know, you you kind of get good at something if you're Mm -hmm. You're constantly doing it it. and that you love that and Mm -hmm. you love sharing that with people and it becomes really part of your lifestyle.
0: And you probably have fun doing it as well.
1: Oh, I love cooking. It's one of the most meditative things there is. And again, cooking has been given such a bad rap. Like, you know, oh my God, it's boring. It's a waste of time. It's too expensive. I don't know how to cook. I can't do it. Let's delegate. You know, better to follow some really fat chef on television, uh, you know, who doesn't know how to eat. Otherwise, they wouldn't, or cook really, because otherwise they wouldn't be so heavy. I mean, right. come on. Why are we following people like this? This doesn't make any sense. You know, so I just think it's like, you know, there's some things we should delegate less in life, uh, for own well being and pleasure. And like if cooking becomes a hobby, if it's pleasurable, but it's also purposeful, because it's healthy, and you're not you're eating fresh stuff. And you're not eating, you're eating less industrial products, you're making your own mayonnaise, for example, etc, your own salad dressings, uh, you know, etc. You know, it's just it's a different kind of way of experiencing uh, life. And when you make it strategic, you know, it changes your life. And then you kind of have taken care of this whole vitality, well-being side of the equation of of life. And it doesn't mean you have to do it every single day, but already starting down that path and immersing yourself and just like start with one. If you don't cook at all, start just cooking one thing, but master it uh-huh. and then go from there. Like I say, cook a piece of chicken, but cook it like 10 different ways. Uh-huh cut it differently add different spices steam it fry it pan sear it broil it you know like get to know the product and be really present don't be listening you know don't be looking at your phone or watching tv like be with the food
0: right
1: right and then little by little you you like mastery comes
0: what do you have a favorite um like a a signature dish
1: Uh, I love this question because I never answered this question. (laughs) (laughs) No, what I mean by that, tell you, is like, like there's, I have so many things that I cook, right? Mm -hmm. And there's so many things that I love. And I love the range of being able to love so many things, but I I I can't tell you what my favorite movie is, my favorite song. I can't, I'm not good like that. But all this to say, what, what I like is, is um, cooking, like, like how I cook is what I'm more interested than in, in than and the experience of that than what I'm cooking. Okay. Right. That's that's way more uh fascinating to me. For example, I love to cook on a gas flame stove. Right? There's right. I can see the fire, I can sense it, um, I can smell it. Uh there's something alive about it. I'm a I'm a I'm a fire sign, so maybe that's <laughs> that's a reason why, but like, you know, it's like alive compared to something like induction or electric where it's just like this dead heat source. Right.
0: Right.
1: So, but yeah, it's like the style of the ways of cooking. I also like to cook. I have a convection vapor oven, which probably nobody really knows because it's pretty rare.
0: It uh, is. Which, I was going to ask you, what is that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> which is a mix. It's a mix of a, uh, a vapor creating, um, Machine, So like if you were to boil water and create vapor uh-huh. m- mixed with a regular oven, so all in one, so I can cook things and manage the level of uh, humidity. Okay. And at the same time, I can go very, very high with the temperature. So it keeps all of the, uh, it keeps all of the colors and vegetables, for example, it keeps all of the nutrients <clears throat> because when you cook, for example, when you boil things in water, or you use a vapor thing, all the nutrients drip out of the, uh, you know, drip out of the vegetables. They're kind of drawn out of the vegetables. This keeps all of that um, inside of the cooking space and you don't lose those minerals and those salts and all these beautiful things and the colors stay the same. And it's really, it's a, it's my favorite kind of cooking toy.
0: So um, when you moved into your home, was that, um, was that stove already there or is that something that you put together yourself?
1: Uh, No, we, we actually redid our kitchen uh, some many years ago. Okay. Um, I've always cooked with gas though. That's for sure. But I have not always had a convection vapor oven. Okay. That's more uh, recently, but we had other, other types of ovens and, you know, standard stuff. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's interesting. I've never heard of that type of stove before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. So, David, um, Dance of the Love Caterpillars, like I said, I really enjoyed reading it. Um, what would you like the takeaway for people to be from reading, seeing or experiencing uh, this love story? What would you like us to do?
1: Yeah, first of all, uh, you know, it, it is available in a book version with 30 original illustrations uh, by Cheryl Vanderpool. And we just released the beautiful, exquisite audio version Mm -hmm. with with my narration and an original, um, originally composed soundtrack, which is performed by uh, and composed by Viara Ivanova-Dietrich. Um, another beautiful way to experience the story. Uh, you know, it's, people are getting, you know, different things out of reading it, uh, you know, and all the reviews that are coming up and what people, the messages people are sending me, um, you know, people are receiving what it seems sort of the love medicine that they're um, needing or wanting to receive receiving uh-huh. <laughs> in the moment that they, and read it. And many people are reading it multiple times because in a different moment, in a different mood, Uh, in a different place, they, they actually get something else out of it, or they're getting a deeper uh, interpretation or something else is going on there that they didn't notice, or that was um, me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it really depends kind of how you go, how you go into it. Uh, You know, it's a story for romantic adults and um, people seeking an inspiration, uh, potentially when they're Uh, you know, wanting to reconnect with, uh, you know, a relationship or a relationship has ended and they're looking to start a new one or, you know, they're starting to date again, for example, or, you know, these types of things. Uh, The story is, you know, full of serendipity, which is Uh such a great message about, Uh you know, a (laughs) a lightning bolt hits a tree, a love tree of all things. And just randomly, the tree falls across the river. And so that enables these two caterpillars to actually cross. And they don't know that each of them are on the other side of the river. They can't see. And they end up meeting each other because they're both going for the pleasure. They're going for this beautiful uh, uh, love flower that's left on the on the tree that's in the middle. So they need to crawl up onto the tree and each of them get to to there, So suddenly they run into each other, and it's just like falling in love moment. And so, you know, life is very much a, an allegory for our lives that from one moment to the next, uh-huh. something beautiful can suddenly happen if we're open to it, if we're not closed off because we've been hurt, uh-huh. if we're not just stuck in our own moping and our own self pity and our own, you know, grieving and all this, not that we don't have these moments in life. But at some point, we need to believe that we can be reborn. Uh-huh. That something new can happen to our life, either come into it, or that we, you know, provoke that we initiate and we dare to jump and do and experience and live. Uh-huh. And when you do that with an open heart, a brave heart, because that takes bravery, and you do it again, And again, and again, and again through life, no matter what happens. This is when you're demonstrating that you, you trust life. Uh You're going to trust it again, no matter what. And what this means is that you love life. And so you love yourself in life. And through this, you get to a place of appreciating life. And from there again, you know, it's all about then savoring what, what you've created, savoring the moments, making them as sensorially, pleasurable and purposeful. And so perform it in your life, uh, as much as you possibly can. So the story is really an inspiration to, uh, to support people to, to remind people. uh, And I reread it all the time. I'm constantly Uh reminding myself, David, stop complaining, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop listening to these Uh, negative thoughts open your Mm -hmm. heart up Mm -hmm. get out of your house and go meet people go create the life that you want to live Mm -hmm. and be courageous about it
0: Mm -hmm. It, the story was well well written I love um, I love the whole story but um, I love the part in the end where they were or towards the end where the two caterpillars were thinking about how they were going to transition from a caterpillar to a butterfly and Um, Will they still be able to be together if that happens? Mm. And they decided at one point to let's not think about that. Let's just enjoy what we have now. And I just thought that was beautiful.
1: Yeah, we don't know. uh, We don't know if we're all going to make the same choices together. We don't know if that's when we make that choice, it's going to work out. We don't know if we don't make that choice that that wasn't the better choice.
0: Right.
1: We just don't know, you know, we just, Uh if we trust, if we trust in life and again, we just stay connected and we're honest with ourselves and with others and we're open to life doing what it's going to do. And, you know, we take our responsibility for being who we are in the world and um, acting on what we want to To happen, and the rest is kind of, you know, faith and magic and hope and luck and uh, intention and you know hard work and um, yeah, and just savoring it. So yeah, I love that. I love that moment also. It's kind of this. Okay, let's let go, and we'll you know let's just trust. We're gonna we'll make the best decision we can. We're doing our best. Let's see what happens. Right. You know, and if it doesn't work out, oh. we'll start again.
0: Yeah. And we have to we have to um we have to sometimes take chances, you know. Oh yeah. The, 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 oh, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> so David, it was really nice talking to you today. Um I again enjoyed your book. I, I think it was really creative. I love the illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um how can we or anybody who wants to purchase your book, how can we purchase your book? Where can we purchase it from? And how can we follow you?
1: Sure, thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you for the kind words
0: uh, about the,
1: the book. And I've, I have very much enjoyed being with you here today to share all of this and talk about this. Uh, yeah, you can find the book on Amazon, um, you know, principally. Uh, and that's, you know, all versions of it, the audiobook, the uh, paperback, and the Kindle version. And uh, you can find out more about me just at www.davidbrower.com. That's D-A-V-I-D-B-R-O-W-E-R. Or you can also go to alivefulness.com, A-L-I-V-E-F-U-L-N-E-S-S.com. And I'm on Facebook and also on Instagram as The Sensorial Guy. So you can, you can find me uh, there as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that information. And again, congratulations on the launch of your book and all these other wonderful things that you're out here doing.
1: Thanks so much, Atalia.
0: You're welcome. Have a good one.
1: Yeah, you too. And I love your <laughs> last name. It's just like the French, the French <laughs> the artist, artist Monet.
0: Yes. So <laughs> just spelled a little differently.
1: It's a beautiful, beautiful name.
0: Thank you.